darling girls. I uh, was asked, I was in a district, and we were traveling, raising money for Metro Missions. And um, so the Home Missions director, he asked me to, um, to, to do Vangelani, and I did a Bible revival, this one I did. And um, so I, I didn't know, you know, very many pastors in that district. And then I noticed this older couple off on the right, and they were not smiling. It really offends me if you don't laugh at my jokes. I, my fa- two favorite people are people that are funny or people that just think I'm funny. <laughs> and they laugh at my jokes. That really spurs me on, you know. Sometimes it uh, gets me in trouble. But um, So so they, they weren't smiling. So I started getting nervous, you know, because they weren't, they, I don't know, they weren't getting my jokes or whatever. And so after a while, she got up and left. And so then, oh, I was just worried. Oh, did you? I saw a flash. Hang on. <laughs> so, I get these bad pictures, man. Double chin, mouth right open. You can see my uvula, you know. Just if you just just say pose, I promise I will. It takes a lot to get. I'm not those photogenic photogenic type. So, um, uh, so I said, oh, brother, I, I think I offended somebody. Oh my word! He said, what? What? I said the couple, right? Even the couple. He said, no, 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 no. And then he said, wait, wait, wait. I think her. I think she has teeth that are, have problem. I think she got a lot of like a lot of holes in her teeth, the rotten teeth or whatever. And then I thought, Lord, maybe she thought I was making fun of her because I wear those rotten teeth, you know? Or maybe she thought I was a sister. I don't know. I just I felt so bad about that. <laughs> I went to a, to Oklahoma ladies conference and um, I didn't know she wanted me to do evangelizing. So she said, Yeah, yeah, you're doing evangelizing tomorrow, right? So I said, Oh, I gotta. So I went around town, you know, trying to get all my stuff. My husband was helping me, and and um, so he went to go find me some some bubba teeth, right? So he goes in this party store, and the guy behind the counter has got his back turned to him, you know, and he said, excuse me, sir, do you have any bubba teeth? And he turned around, and his teeth looked exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that terrible? I'm so glad that I am in a district that likes each other, <laughs> loves to be together. I just feel that amongst you, and I just think it's so awesome. And uh, the people of God, it's our brothers and sisters. It's our family. If there's somebody that rubs you the wrong way, take it to prayer. Take it to prayer. You know, we, you hear it, you know, we've got to get along down here because we've got to get along up there, you know, but just being a part of God's family. There's something I can learn from each one of you here. And you are precious in God's sight, but you're also precious to me. And I just love being a part of a group of people that I just feel, I was telling Sister Churchill, you know, we need each other. And I felt the uh, component here that was in Hawaii. So there's people from the different islands in Hawaii. We don't get together that often. So when we get together, it's so special. And I noticed that right away uh, when I was here a couple years ago. And I appreciate that about you and the warmth and the love that you genuinely show to each other and how you hold each other up in prayer. Somebody doesn't have a pastor. All the churches go and support that church to keep them strong, to keep them encouraged. And uh, we need that. Amen. How many of you are glad that that God has an American passport? Can you raise your hand? No, that's not a good thing. You're not supposed to say that because God does not have an American passport. You all got F's right there. God speaks every language. And as we were hearing a little bit earlier, the Lord
Lord speaks to us in our language, in every language. And he, the cultures that come in this place and blend together, it's like Hawaii, you know, we have so many different cultures. Some of those people there have six and eight nationalities. And um, when I was in, in Hong Kong, I was telling the girls today that I lived outside of Hong Kong Island in Yuen Long, and nobody spoke English there. And so I would just walk in a whirlwind of sound, and I, I didn't, you know, talk to anybody. And, um, you know, the Hong Kong Island was a little bit different. But when I was in my, my hometown there getting groceries or whatever, it was almost like I couldn't hear because it was just, you know. So I came up with this question in my mind, and it was so deep I couldn't get the answer. And uh, so I see this Chinese lady. No, she's not there. I see this. <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome. I see this Chinese lady, and um, she's very visual. <laughs> Do you see a dog over there? <laughs> I see this Chinese lady, and she's about to cross the street. So I'm thinking, does she hear in Chinese, I'm going to cross the street? Does it, does it sound like in English, I'm going to cross the street? Or is it words in her head, or is it a thought? Did anybody have the answer to that? Kristen, you're very smart. I know you are. <laughs> I guess there's no real answer. But that was just, you know, so the, how do we think? Do we think in, you know, Yupik? Do we think in Spanish? Do we think, you know, whatever? But um, the number one language that Jesus speaks, that's the language of our heart. Sometimes we go to him, we hurt so deeply that we can just sob. There's no words. There's just no words. Sometimes I've gone to God and said, I've said, I don't even know what to say. Know what I'm thinking, and sometimes I just the Bible says the groanings. Sometimes we just cry, oh God, and He knows the language of our heart, He knows a little child's language. Jordan got the Holy Ghost when she was three, right, George? Just a little, little girl just crying out to God. My husband comes from Redneckville, USA, and he, Uncle Jimmy, got the Holy Ghost, and um, he came out of the water standing there. Hey, Jimmy, is that his name? And uh, so he just crying, just looking straight up at the heavens, crying, you know. And, and so my husband's youngest brother said, Uncle Jimmy, just tell God, tell God how you feel and uh, exactly how you feel in your own words. And he said, my husband tells us better, but he said, God, I love you more than an old pair of work boots I used to got. <laughs> Uncle Jimmy got the Holy Ghost. That, he, those boots were special to him. You know what I mean? So whatever you need to talk to God about it. Girls and I were talking about the story of your life. Are you going to write your story? Let God write your story. If you let him write your story, your life's so adventurous, so romantic, full of life and excitement. The best story that you could write of yourself would not be near as exciting as what God could write. But if you mess up, you make a wrong decision, you make a wrong move, turn around and talk to God about it. Amen. So this song, Holy is the Lord, I think um, much to my daughter's chagrin, we sang this two years ago, but it's been like Sister Parish, it's been so long, I'm sure you have no idea. It's in a lot of different languages. I appreciate that the Lord knows who we are, where we are, he knows our culture, he knows how to reach us at the level we're in.
sitting at our breakfast bar the other day and he looked at me he said so mom when I grow up I want to be an inventor so I have to get really smart 
what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> but I know what I'm going to say now when I get home. I'm going to say, when I grow up, I want to be just like Sister Sanders. <laughs> oh, so awesome, so awesome. We were blessed tremendously today by the ministry of Sister Chavis. And what a beautiful move of the Holy Ghost followed. It was just beautiful. And to see just the look on some of the faces as these ladies were praying, you, there's a transformation that takes place when Jesus touches your life. And it's visible, and I'm so thankful for it. And I am so thankful that Sister Wanda Chavis agreed to come and be with us again in all of our craziness and our crazy Alaska, our rough Alaska. Sister Chavis, come and take your liberty tonight. Amen. Just before she comes, I was way over there, so I couldn't get over to her. I had invited a man to come and speak with us tonight. But apparently he could not. Oh, then I won't ask you to do it. Well, we'd sure like to hear from either one of you. Something miraculous is happening in New York City. And they told us about it at our church on Wednesday night. And if Sister Chavis, if Brother Chavis will come in the morning... You don't want to miss hearing about this. And if she wants to talk about it a little bit, it would be a great blessing to you. God is moving. It's, a, it's an unbelievable thing. I mean, I was just, I was mesmerized Wednesday night as Brother Chavis was talking to us. It is a marvelous thing. So feel free to do whichever you'd like. Okay. He, did, he did text and say that he would do it in the morning, but how many of you are not going to be here in the morning? Anybody? Okay, in a nutshell, I'm just going to tell you this. Okay, everybody knows there's a United Nations building in New York City. When you cross in there, you got to have a passport. You're on foreign soil. There's like 190-something, 192 delegates from all over the world. There are ambassadors sent here to um, for their con country. And uh, we now have the first church inside the United Nations building. A United Pentecostal Church pastor is the pastor. It's amazing. Let me just tell you that on Wednesday, on Wednesday, Lee Stone King spoke to the General Assembly and told his testimony of being, you know, raised from the dead after 45 minutes of no pulse and no heartbeat. And then he said, the answer to the peace that we need among our nations can be found in Acts 2 and 38. And that had, he read that, and every interpreter had to speak that. That was televised all over the world. In every language, every country has now heard my husband, we got a text from uh, Brother Art Wilson who was sitting there with Brother Lee Stone King, and he texted, he said, Jesus can come because the whole world has heard the truth. 
It is unprecedented. It's never, um, they, my husband was there last week with a group of Multicultural Ministries, uh, the team there, for a planning meeting. They were given presidential passes to go, go in. They, they had to do background checks on each one of them for security purposes. And it's just phenomenal what is happening there. There have been over 20 have been baptized in Jesus' name. And more than that have received the Holy Ghost. But here's what I want to say. And, that, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, did this happen because uh, some phenomenal, big-time, you know, anointed preacher man spoke to somebody and said, you know, thus saith the Lord, I'm coming into the United Nations building. Did this happen because some big-time evangelist went in there and preached? No. This happened because a little lady, no formal education, had applied for a job at the United Nations uh, a few years back. And against all odds, you have to speak at least three languages to work there. You have to have degrees. She was hired on the spot to work in that position she applied for and now has become the personal assistant of the uh, Secretary General of the United Nations. She fell ill last year and was dying. She had lost down to 89 pounds. Doctors could not figure out what was wrong with her. Then they finally found some rare cancer. And she left her job to die. They gave her a going-away party. She winds up. She, she believed that uh, she had heard about Jesus, and she said, Jesus, if you're real, then I want you to heal me. And he healed her. Okay, then she got a phone call from her sister, who lives in Detroit, Michigan, who goes to Brother Art Wilson's church. And she said, I want you to come here because God has touched you, but he wants to finish what he started. She said, I, I don't have, I'm not going to Detroit. I don't have time to go to Detroit. I, you know, I don't need to come to Detroit. She says, I, I really feel you need to come. I feel like God wants you to come to my church. And she was very against doing that. But she, but then after she hung up, she felt, she said, well, God, I've asked you to di direct me and order my steps. So if you want me to go to Detroit, let me, uh, give me a phenomenal sign that I will know you want me to go to Detroit. She got online. She looked up a, for a, a airplane ticket, round trip from New York City to Detroit, Michigan, $80. She had never flown to see her sister for less than, you know, several hundred dollars. And so she said, okay, I'll go. She went, went the first service she was at. She received the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name. She went fired up. She went back and got her job back, and they had a life party for her and asked her to give her testimony, and she said, can I have the pastor from Detroit come? And, and uh, they said, oh, absolutely, bring him. Well, she, Brother Wilson went thinking there was going to be 20 or 30 people there. The assembly hall was, there was over 200 people. They were lining the, the walls. And she, he introduced her. She gave her testimony. And that night, several got the Holy Ghost then and there. And God is, I'm telling you, people, we don't even know. I'm serious. My husband, the, the Multicultural Ministries team, they, they sit and look at each other like, what is God doing? What is he doing? We 
one of the most unique things Brother Art Wilson told us about in one of our meetings prior to the UN meeting, he said that um, he they asked him would he be the religious liaison for the United Nations, and he's like, uh, let me think about that. Yes, <laughs> and they so they said okay, well uh, we're going to start the paperwork, get it all in line, and so they called him. He's like you know. They have like a time element because they wanted him to come to some kind of big meeting that had huge security clearance for. And they said, oh, we have uh, one thing that there's a requirement in order for this to happen. You have got to have a 501c3. Does anybody here know what a 501c3? That's a nonprofit uh, statement. And I'm telling you, we work we've worked years to get one it's it's really a lot of paperwork it's a lot of rigmarole and he's like oh wait a minute let me think and he said when he went to Detroit he said I had these big dreams you know I was like I'm gonna just blow this city up so he started this ministry guess what he named it international ministries and he went and got a 501c3 it had been laying in a drawer for 13 years had never used it. He's like, oh, I just happen to have one of those, and pulls it out and gives him the number. And it's already international ministry. It's, it's crazy the stuff that's happening. God's had it in place. And uh, my husband, I'll let him tell you in the morning, because y'all, after you hear my message tonight, you're going to want to see him. Because, um, but I want. I don't want to take the. Uh, there's a couple things that I want him to tell you that just will like give your goosebumps, goosebumps, because it's amazing what God is doing. God is. He is not limited. There are no limits. There are no boundaries for him. He is working outside the box, under the box, on top of the box. He is in the box, <laughs> out of the box. He created the box. And I'm telling you, if, you're, if you want to um, if you want to get happy, if you want to have real joy in your life, get involved in multicultural ministries. Get involved in winning souls. Uh, period. I know a couple, a couple years ago I started praying, you know, and I was no longer a pastor's wife, and I was like, God, I need my passion back. I just don't feel that passion like a... You know, it's like I'll be in, sitting in an amazing service, and I'm like, what? Um, I, I just don't feel that. Uh, you know, I need that again. And uh, Brother Huntley challenged, he's our district superintendent in North Carolina. He challenged us. He said, we're good. we've got 40, uh, 60, uh, let's see, how many was it? We've got uh, 59 counties with no United Pentecostal Church in North Carolina. And he said, we're going to whittle that down in five years. He said, we're going to start 10 churches a year, and we're going to do it through a crusade. So he said, we're going to do a crusade on November the 17th in 10 cities at the same time. So he appointed 10 pastors to head up the crusades, and he chose my husband as one of those pastors to go to the, a county that his, my husband has family in. This was in, you know, 2000, um, it had been 13. At the end of 2013, he, he put this together. So my husband... And I, and we chose some people to help us, and our church in Spring Lake started helping us. We started going to that city and, um, you know, getting it set up for the crusade. And uh, the, the Lord started opening doors, so the, the crusade wasn't until October. Well, by the end of June, we already had a building rented. 
we had we had our first service the last Sunday in June, and God has been moving. We've had like about six people get baptized in Jesus' name already, filled with the Holy Ghost, and I got my passion back. I'm telling you what, I it is unbelievable what it will do to you when you start a new uh, Bible study with somebody or a new uh, services and. I mean, it's like you can't get up and say, so you know the, you know the story of Dave, David and, the, and Goliath, and they're like, no. They don't know. They're unchurched people. They don't know. Um, I remember one girl I was teaching a Bible study to, and she was at church, and she was sitting kind of over behind me on the other aisle, and they were singing that song. They started singing, when the spirit of the Lord moves on my soul, I will dance. Like David danced, and you know, I'm singing, I will dance. And all of a sudden, I feel some, I jerk my arm, and I turned around, and she's got this horrified look on her face. And I'm going to say to you exactly what she said to me, okay? And I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but she looked at me with horror, and she said, Who the heck is David? <laughs> she was like, I. You know, she didn't even know about, she was trying to figure out Jesus. And here she's got a dance like, David, who is David? <laughs> she didn't know anything about God. She was so horrified. I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. I'll talk to you about it Tuesday. <laughs> but, ladies, we have got people that don't know anything. And we have such a precious, precious truth to share and I, I love what I feel here. I love the, the excitement and the exuberance about what God is doing throughout the, the state of Alaska, throughout this district, the, the Alaska-Yukon district. And um, I really am excited. I am excited about what God is doing in multicultural ministries um, with, with my husband. And it's, we're, we're just taking it one day at a time. I mean, last week we were at, they were at the U.N. We didn't know they were. I mean, they in, they're inviting us back like can y'all come back next week and do and you know somebody else tell us something else so it's been amazing what god is doing there's no just just watch and listen for the news it's it'll be on facebook when it, or the in the you know the united pentecostal church has been posting these things on their page of the incredible opportunities that are happening there you know what's so hilarious to me is i remember when that whole united nations thing was being put together and there's still some of us that were like, oh, I don't know about this United Nation. It's heading to a one-world government. I'll tell you right now, that's what's happening. It's of the devil. But, oh, yeah, what the devil means for harm, God always, always, always turns it around for good. Ha. He thinks he's slick. Oh, God says, okay, I got 192 delegates from every nation in the world, and I'm going to have the truth preached. Woo! Yeah, we can get on our political little, uh, you know, hat box or whatever. Is that what you call it? Soap box. <laughs> get on our little political soap boxes and, you know, you know rant and rave. But God's going to do what God's going to do. God is moving, and he is, he is ready to come and take us home. He's just, he's just getting these last little things in place, and there is no telling what is going to happen. My faith is, oh, my goodness, my faith is just gone out of control. I, I, believe, I really do believe 
but God has given me revelation, and I'm going to talk to you about it some tonight. But I, first, I want to start with um, thanking everybody I'm supposed to thank. Y'all, y'all are wonderful, amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be with Sister Debbie and uh, her girls. Oh, my goodness. If y'all could just be in our car, the car with us, we have so much fun. These are wonderful people. These are real Christians. And the Churchill family, all of you, I, th- these people, the, all, every one of these pastors' wives that I have met, some of them I know a little bit better than others, they are real people, really Christians. And that is so important. Sister Parrish, thank you. I totally apologize. But, you know, that it just helps us to understand Sometimes we get we're amazed when we go clear across the world and we find out that you know people are talking about the same thing and then we're like what well, you know what we're the same body it's like it's not like my hand is going to take a bath but my foot is going to you know go to the Walmart we're the body of Christ so yeah we are in the same book we're in the same chapter we're reading the same thing so it's, you know it just kind of it kind of um, reiterates that when that kind of stuff happens doesn't it. That we're just, we're on the same page because we're the same body. So uh, it's amazing. It really is. I, I didn't realize that I had got all so much in her notes. Because I, I do remember her leaning and said, Philippians, I remember that part, but I didn't hear those 16 and all that stuff. But <laughs> I had those notes from last weekend. That's what I did. So bless the Lord, oh, my soul. <laughs> now, let me tell you something about um, what I'm going to speak on tonight. Um, I am, I'll just tell you this, I am 55 years old, and I've been married, I'll be 56, May 30th, on June the 7th, I will celebrate my 40th wedding anniversary, and if you do the math, I don't recommend it, I don't know where the adults in my life were, but Yes, I was a child bride. Now, let me tell you that when I met my husband, I was in ninth grade. And I fell hopelessly in love with this guy. He is so fine. I'm telling you what. Now, when, we, when I met him, you got to understand, he walked into our church. He had a ponytail about down to here. He had on, this is the 70s. He had on blue jeans with holes. And, you know, they had the big bell bottoms with the back eight out of them. He had on one of them shirts that, you know, a little bit of belly would show. You know, 70s. A suit jacket and no shoes. And he had his hair with those little rubber bands all the way around, you know, every little bit about that. Because he's, he's, he's Native American, so his hair is a little, you know, wild. So when he walked in that Sunday morning, I thought, he'd be kind of handsome if he'd get a haircut and shave. He hadn't shaved in like five years. He's, he's almost five years older than me, so I, I, it never entered my mind that he, I would ever, I, you know, I was, my daddy was the pastor, and I just, you know, I was like, that ain't happening right there. <laughs> so anyway, he started coming to church, and oh my goodness, I, every time I was, you know, talked to him or whatever, I just couldn't help it. I just really started liking him more and more and more. And so, you know, he got the Holy Ghost and he started, you know, playing the guitar and then me and him started singing together. And I, I'm telling you, I started falling in love. So deeply in love. Oh, I couldn't 
do, I dreamed about him. I thought about him all the time. And then um, in November of 1974, he asked me to marry him. I was in 10th grade. And, yeah. So I was like, well, the plan was, you know, we'll wait. We'll get married in four years. And, you know, then we'll have a nice wedding and all that. Well, that, by December, we were all like, well, okay, if I go to school in the summer, I can graduate in two years. I mean, in, in you know, one year. And then we can get married in two years. And you know how that goes. So, oh, my goodness. I was so in love with him. It changed everything. I mean, I'm, I'm in 10th grade, and I'm failing algebra. <laughs> and I'm like, why will I never need to know the square root of anything? I'm going to be Jeff Chavis's wife. <laughs> it changed everything in my life. I mean, it changed my, I dressed like he wanted me to dress. I wore the perfume he wanted me to wear. I fixed my hair the way he wanted me to wear it. I dreamed about him. I talked to him on the phone for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. My dad, when I did get married, he said, I didn't lose a daughter. I got my telephone back. <laughs> that was back when the phone was actually hooked to the wall, you know. And I would, like, stretch the cord and go in my bedroom and shut the door. <laughs> and I would stand like this. <laughs> Oh, I loved him so much. And some of y'all have seen him. He is so fine. Now, he only weighed about 119 pounds back then, but he was still fine. And I don't know if you've ever been in love. I mean, that kind of love where you can't eat, can't sleep, can't do nothing but just be in love and, and just dream about love. And it's just so, he used to call me at night. Before, he'd, he would leave my house, and as soon as he got home, he called me. And then he would get his guitar, and he would sit there and play and sing love songs to me on the phone until I fell asleep. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> and his favorite, my favorite one he had to sing every night was, You are so beautiful to me, can't you see? <laughs> You're everything I hope for. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I would just melt and just run off. You know, oh. So he finally went and talked to my parents, and he's like, you know, I love her. And I don't think we can wait two or three years. We need to get married. We want to get married, and I want to get married as soon as we can. And so my dad, he, he said he felt good about it he's like well he knew that we was gonna get married when he first met Jeff and he's like well I'll tell you what Jeff you make me some promises you know she graduates when you know you need she needs to graduate whether you get married now or you get married later she you promise me she's gonna graduate he's like all right he's like well when can, can we get married like in March <laughs> and he's like no let's wait till she gets out of 10th grade how about it Does she turn 16 so we did. We, we got married, and, oh, I tell you, immediately after I fell in love, I, I discovered another emotion that I'd never, I'd never felt. And it happened. I was, we were at Sunday school one morning, and sitting there with my best friend, and Jeff walked in. 
And he's, he's like, you know, smiled at me, and then he looked at her, and he smiled at her, and I was like, He's going to smile at her like he smiled at me. What in the world? And then she said something, and he laughed, and I'm like, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> what is she? She's flirting with my, uh, she knows he's my boyfriend. Oh, my goodness, I thought. All the way through the service, I was so convicted. I was like, now, I've won this girl to the Lord from high school, and I'm gonna, now I want her to go to hell right now. Immediately. I was so jealous of him. And it got worse as time went on. I mean, it was just every skinny girl needed. It's like I just didn't like skinny girls anymore. And I didn't like pretty girls. I didn't like short girls. I didn't like tall girls. Basically, any girl that he, you know, I just wanted him to just look at me, just walk around with looking at me, nobody else. Just look at me. Or at least say something like, that girl, she ain't nothing but skin and bones. I ain't, I ain't studying that girl. You know, say something. Give me some reassurance. But, you know, he didn't know that's what I needed to hear, so he didn't say it. So we got married, and then it Oh, my goodness. I can remember laying in bed dreaming that he ran off with another woman. <laughs> and I would just start crying. I'd wake him up like, baby, don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And he would just look at me and like, Wanda, I'm sleeping. Okay, I'm not leaving. Like, I know, but it was so real. I dreamed you left me. He's like, well, I'm not leaving. If you don't knock it off, you're going to, you know, make me really upset. Oh, I was so jealous. And jealousy can, like, just, it can just turn your bones to lead. It can just ruin your whole day, your, your whole camp meeting, your whole everything. Just paralyze you for months at a time. Just crush you. I knew I was in trouble when I dreamed that he ran off with my mama. I started crying. I was like, oh, she don't deserve you. She's not worthy. Well, that flat made him mad. He's like, there's something wrong with you. I, why would you be jealous of your mama? You said you loved her more than you loved me. It's like, it was a dream, Wanda. It was a dream. But I was so jealous of him. It was horrible. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, after married a while, it'll go away. Well, it didn't go away. It got worse. And as time went on, I mean, it's like, you know, every does every office have to have a secretary that's skinny and blonde? I don't, everywhere he worked, there was always this chick that worked there that I just wanted to stab in the throat. It, it just brought all these emotions to my, to, into play that I just, I was like, where, I'm going to hell. I'm going to burn in hell. I have lived for God since I was a child, and here I'm going to burn in hell for being jealous of this Indian. 
I would pray and fast, and I would pray and fast, and I would pray and fast. I would be in the altar, and I would get the victory. I'm good. I'm good. And walk, just walk, walk by him, and he's there. They're just smiling and talking to some woman. I'm like, devil, the devil is going, he is going to cause me to hurt somebody. And it went on and on. And my husband is not a flirty person. If any of you know him, he never gave me reason to be jealous of him. He's not a flirt. He's not real friendly, period. <laughs> now, now he is some kind of good looking. Let me tell you, I could drink his bath water right now. <laughs> Now, all of y'all going to have to wait and see him tomorrow because I'm telling you, he is fine. <laughs> but I struggled with this jealousy, and I struggled, and I struggled. And I, I, even after we, we started pastoring, my husband was a pastor, and I'm, I, I started getting jealous of the men in the church. <laughs> Anybody that spent time with him, you know, I could remember being at home and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a housewife, so he's at work, and I'm thinking, oh, Sister so-and-so's in the hospital. So tonight when he comes home, I have his shirt ironed and I'll have his dinner ready and I'll get the kids to a babysitter and me and him will drive the two hours up to Chapel Hill and, and we'll just talk and smile and hold hands. And then afterwards we'll go by Golden Crown and eat some buffet and we'll just smile at each other and, and have a good time. Then we'll drive home and we'll smooch on the way home and oh, I'd have all these imaginations of how it was going to be. And he'd walk in, he'd say, you got my shirt iron? Me and Brother Raw is going to run up to the hospital. And I was like, and I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill that brother because he gets to spend more time with him, my husband than I do. He's taking him everywhere he goes. Oh, I was jealous. I, I did not want any, and I didn't want to marry a preacher to start with because I had already been, the, you know, done that thing with my dad being the pastor and shared him with the masses. And he, now I knew I, I knew I wasn't going to like being a pastor's wife. I just didn't want all these people just, you know, taking his time. And I needed him. He was mine. So I remember it like it was yesterday. It had we had been pastoring for a couple years. And it was, it was, I was struggling. I mean, seriously, I had, I had prayed, I had fasted. I even had a prayer a partner. She didn't know what she was praying for. <laughs> Nobody in my life knew about my problem. I had already quit talking to my husband about it because I figured, you know, if I talked to him about it, I noticed <laughs> that we had this big argument that went on for about three weeks. So I just thought, you know, I won't say nothing. I'll just smile. But I would go in the, you know, in my bedroom and cry and I would go to the altar and cry and I'd go in the bathroom and throw up and I was just <laughs> I just was so miserable so jealous of him and I had been raised better I had been raised in a home that there was no reason for I mean my mom and dad they were married 64 years you know so it wasn't like I had a reason to not trust him he had never given me any reason I just was so jealous of him but my mom had always taught me about my emotions. She said, you know, we are created in God's image. So when he, I would come in, you know, from, from school, and I'd, we moved every couple years, sometimes a couple times a year. <laughs> and I'd say, Mom, I'm so lonesome. 
you know, all my friends are back in North Carolina. I'm in Washington State. I'm, and she'd say, oh, Wanda, that's the Holy Ghost. And I'd say, no, it's not the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm lonesome, Mother. She'd say, no, it's the Holy Ghost dealing with you. How long has it been since you really spent time with the Lord? Maybe he's lonesome for you. And I was like, you really, really believe all this stuff, don't you? She's like, seriously, you need to go pray. And one time I did, and I come back, I said, it didn't help a bit. I'm still. <laughs> but she, she would tell me, you know, God, if he's lonesome for you, he's going to give you lonesome feelings. If he's, you know. So I had this in the back of my mind that she had put in there. So I remember it like it was yesterday. I came home from church one night. And I had done good for several months. And earlier that day, there was a phone call. Somebody called. And just the way he answered, talked to her, this woman, it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm right there. I'm here and everything. But it's just like the tone in his voice, it was like it just made my gut sick. Like, he acts like he really likes her. I wonder if I was dead, would he marry her? He probably feels trapped in this marriage. Because he acts like he would rather, you know, have knee surgery than spend an evening with me you probably would because I was you know very high maintenance very needy so I'm thinking I got that day that was miserable that day went to church that night I was miserable I went to the altar and prayed and poured my heart out to God and it's like God forgive me for being such a sinner but so I came home and I didn't feel any better I was like okay so I'm just gonna sit down here in my recliner and just feel sorry for myself so I sat down and I looked on the floor there and was my husband's Strong's Concordance and his Bible laying there, one of his study Bibles. So I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. How many of you know what a Strong's Concordance is? Yeah, it's one of them books that's got every single word in the whole Bible and every single scripture that's got that word in it. So I was like, I'm just going to look up the word jealousy and I'm just going to see how hot hell's going to be for me because I know I'm burning hell. Because I was one jealous woman. So I got Strong's out, and I looked up the word jealousy and started reading. And it didn't take me long to figure out that, yes, my mother was right, and God was dealing with me. Because the first one I read, the first scripture I read was this one, Exodus 20, 1 through 3. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them or serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. And I said, God is jealous? I kept reading Exodus 34, 14. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, he was so jealous, they nicknamed him Jealous. <laughs> Here comes Jealous. That's what they would have called me if they'd all known what was going on in my heart and mind. And then Joshua 24, 19 told the people, he said, Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. And I started, started to cry. I thought, God, are you jealous of me? Is that why you're making me feel so jealous and so miserable? And I started thinking about it. I thought, why would he be jealous of me? Why would God be jealous over me? 
And then it don't, it's just like it, God spoke to me and said, I want you to need me and desire me and desire time with me like you do your husband. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I really didn't need Jesus because I had Jeff. Anything I needed, I just told him and he'd figure out a way to get it for me. And it displeased God because I had literally put, I would tell my husband, I would say, you're my world. You're my life. And all that sounds romantic, but I meant it. He was my everything. I would sit at home with my children. We, we you know, would, I had three little boys all at the same time, and I would just think about, you know, I can't wait till he gets home so my day can begin, so, my, so I can have, you know, he was my joy. He was my entertainment. He was my uh, everything. I would tell him, you're my everything. And I, he, I know he probably was thinking, I can't breathe. <laughs> I was, I, it was like God showed me in that recliner that I was totally, my plug was plugged into Jeff, Jeff Chavis. I was plugged into him, and that's, he was the source of my strength. He was my joy. He was my peace. He was my happiness. He was my entertainment. He was my world. And God was not pleased with it. He was so jealous of me. And I wept, and I cried, and I, I begged God to forgive me. And, and, and then I thought about how I felt. Well, how I would feel when, you know, if I saw my husband, like, laughing and having a good time with somebody else, and whether it was man or woman, and I'm thinking, I wish he was, you know. And I would think about the things I wanted to hear, you know, him say to me to reassure me. And so I got to thinking, how can I reassure God? How can I reassure him? And so I began to pray. I said, God, I'm sorry. I am so sorry that you thought that I love Jeff more than you because I don't. You are number, you are the man, Jesus. You are the one. You are the lover of my soul. You're the love of my life. I love you more than anything. And, and I love my husband. I thank you for giving him to me. But if he died, I would keep on living and loving you. Because you are the source of my strength. You are my everything. You are my all. And I sat there that night and I pulled and I pulled and I pulled on that plug. And I unplugged from Jeff. And I plugged into Jesus. And I'm telling you, the peace that began to flow into my life, the joy that began to flow into my soul, the reassurance, it was like he began to tell me the things that I wanted to hear. He would tell me, he would say things like, you, you want to be fulfilled? You need to listen to what I think about you. You know, every woman, we want to we be adored. We want to be precious. And sometimes men just... They don't get it. And some, some men are better at expressing their feelings than others, but most men are not really comfortable with expressing emotion and love. But God began to speak love into my life. He would tell me how he loved me and how he adored me. And I, I began to look in the Word of God for those, those words from him. And I started underlining them in pink. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And I would tell him how much I loved him. And then, of course, you know, the next day, those feelings started to rise up. And I, and I thought, nope, okay, I'm feeling jealous. So that must mean Jesus is feeling jealous. So I just turned around. I was like, you are the man. I love you. 
I love you. I adore you. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my kids. But, Lord, I'm telling you right now, if something happened to my kids, I would go on breathing. I would go on living because you're my life. You're my everything. I love you. You're my all. And before long, I totally got victory over that jealous pain that, that just, it totally paralyzed me for several years. I was not productive in my spiritual life. I was not productive in, in any part of my life because I was just so miserable. So this went on for a couple of days. And I mean, I had, uh, I had some prayer meetings those next few days in my house. I talked to the Lord. I loved on him. I reassured him. I let him know that he was it on a stick that I, I had no desire for anybody, anything else. I told him every good, lovely, wonderful thing I could think to say to him. I even pulled out the book of Psalms and read to him. I read Song of Solomon to him. I told him how much I loved him, how I, I wanted to breathe his air. You know, I, I just wanted to feel his arms around me. And I, he began to talk to me and love on me. And, oh, the, it was so amazing how the power, when I unplugged from my poor husband, and plugged into the almighty, powerful God, the power that he had to energize me, to fulfill me, to strengthen me, to encourage me. He had it. So a couple nights later, I fixed his favorite meal. <laughs> I can remember this like it was yesterday, too. I, had the, I fed the boys early and said, y'all go play. Me and Daddy are going to have a family meeting. Me and him are going to have a meeting. So y'all just stay outside and play which wasn't uncommon. They knew if we needed to talk private, they needed to go play. So I fed them early, had them in the yard, and so he came in, and I set him down. And so he's eating, and I'm just looking at him, and I'm grinning. He's like, what are you up to? I said, I, I want to tell you something. It's very important. And I just looked at him, and I said, baby, I release you. He's like, say what? I said, I release you. You are no longer responsible for me. You are no longer responsible for the mood I'm in. You're no longer responsible for my entertainment. You are no longer responsible for any part of my emotional needs. I release you. He's like, all right. Let's eat. <laughs> he was clueless. He did not know what I was saying to him. He didn't understand what I was saying to him. But I began to notice a difference. Because now you think about here he had been married to this woman that was miserable. And I, I seriously, I, I was so miserable. I was so, I would pray and seek God. And even when me and him were in, uh, alone together, I, there was just something I wanted from him that he wasn't giving me. And I just, I needed something from him that he was not he just wasn't fulfilling me. He wasn't meeting my emotional needs. And so I was probably whining and complaining. And, you know, it wasn't, he felt that for me that it wasn't enough, that it wasn't, you know, he wasn't measuring up. And, and I, he was frustrated. I was frustrated. We were miserable. And so as, as the days wore on, and, and I every day made that choice, I got up and plugged into Jesus every morning instead of Jeff. You know, and I was, I began to, to grow stronger in the Lord and, and, and begin to understand the power of just talking to him and letting him fulfill my needs. If I was feeling needy, I, it's like me being thirsty and going to Niagara Falls saying, 
can I have a drink? It's like, honey, take your pick. You, you just drink until you're done. Because there was no end to God's resources. And so I noticed my husband, you know, he's like, hey, you want to go with me? Hey, let's go do this. He wanted to be around me because I became a different person. I became a person he really enjoyed being around. Because I strengthened him now. Because I was actually encouraging him. I was full and content. And so no longer was he, you know, thinking, what am I gonna, how am I going to satisfy her today? What can I do to make her happy? It was just, I was already happy. I was already full of joy. I was already content. And so we just hung out. And now I'm like, babe, let me stay home while you go do that because I'm just going to get on your nerves. <laughs> and he's like, no, come on. I want you to go with me. Come on. I don't have no fun when you're not with me. And his friends will say, please do not send him out here without you again. He is so miserable without you. <laughs> he, he loves my company because I'm not, I have no demands on him. The Lord, I literally am plugged into him. And in fact, there's been a couple times my husband has said, you know, you really don't need me, do you? You just, I remember when you used to really, you know, just be jealous of me and, and needy and all that. You really, you're just so independent now. I said, no, baby, I am not independent. I, the Lord is, is helping me and strengthening me. Not too long ago, I have a little Bluetooth that I was going to, uh, that I had a charger in my car and didn't realize I had it plugged into my cigarette lighter thing. So I plugged my cell phone into it thinking it was my phone cord. And when I did that, my phone, a message came up that said, wrong power source. And I had to smile because I thought, well, that would be handy if we had that, Sister Churchill, that every morning to say, oh, 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 you plugged into the wrong person. Plug into me. <laughs> because some of you here tonight, the reason the Lord has brought this message through me to you is some of you are really plugged into somebody else. It could be your husband. It could be your daughter. It could be your mom. It could be a friend. Who, who, who are you plugged into? Who do you get your reassurance and your confidence from? Who do you get your, you know, that's who helps you have a good day or a bad day or whatever. Who is it you're plugged into? I'm telling you that the Lord is so jealous over you. He is crazy in love with you. He wants that. He, he can fulfill anything. Any wedding song you ever heard, he can. I'm telling you, he is all that. He is the lover of your soul. He really can satisfy you. And he loves you so much. And throughout eternity, he has been, you know, it's like he saw you in his mind's eye. It, it's like a, it was an idea. And then he, he imagined you. The, this is Bible. He says, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I saw you. You were in his imagination. And he began to, to, to create you. And he put a lot of time and he put a lot of effort into making sure that you were just what he wanted you to be. He's always looking for someone to recognize that. For someone to recognize who he is. When I really recognize, you know what, Jesus, I've been singing these songs about Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. 
You know, I've been singing them songs all my life, all these songs about who Jesus was. But when I really recognize that he really is the answer, and I really plugged into him, I'm telling you, it was a revelation. And he has, he has given me revelation on top of revelation on top of revelation of who he is. And in the word of God, there's so many instances uh, where he was looking for someone to, to recognize. And I really believe in the New Testament, all those people, you know, you notice that he healed some and some he just kept, he walked on by. There was just people that he healed. Like the woman with the issue of blood. In Mark 5 and 24, uh, 5 and 25 through 34, where she, you know, you read that story and she's like, she's, she's unclean. She's having to walk through this crowd of people and say, unclean, unclean. She wasn't allowed to touch nobody. She wasn't allowed to go to church because if she touched a pew and the priest touched the pew, then he was unclean. And bad thing happened when the priest was unclean and he tried to perform his duties in this temple. So she was alone. She was ostracized. She was separated. She was unclean. And she decide, she realized who Jesus was. And the Bible says that she said, if I can just touch his clothes. And the reason I think she said that was because she recognized a scripture from Malachi 4 and 2 that said, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And I believe that she knew that if she could touch the corner of that prayer shawl that he was wearing, that canaf, that, that, that she could touch this, that seat seat that was hanging off because right above that was that scripture. But for who you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. She knew if I could touch that, I know he's the Messiah. I know he's the one. I know he's the one that's been prophesied. So I believe that when she touched his clothes, she he recognized she knows who I am she knows she knows who I am and when blind Bartimaeus said Jesus thou son of David he knows he knows who I am There were so many instances. You read through those miracles in the New Testament. The ones he healed, they recognized who he was. And let me, let me just explain to you who he is and see if you get this revelation in your heart. Because Jesus Christ was God manifest in flesh. He dwelt among us, among men, and he was he crucified, died, buried, and he rose again. And then he told his disciples, he said, go and tarry at Jerusalem because I'm going to go. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the comforter in my name. The Holy Ghost is going to come. And sit, the, then they receive the Holy Ghost. And I don't know about you, but I did too receive the Holy Ghost. And if you believe that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh and that the Holy Ghost is the spirit of Jesus Christ, and it lives inside of you, then you will understand the revelation of what God wants you to understand. That is that, that nothing is impossible for us. Nothing is impossible. That's why it's blowing our mind what's happening in the UN, because we don't even believe who we are. 
We don't even believe that what we've got is the power of God living inside of us. We don't recognize what we have. We haven't really got the full revelation that God Almighty is living in me. And when that woman comes to me and says, I have cancer, I need you to pray for me. I don't have to say, uh, uh, well, could, uh, could you get the bishop, somebody come pray, she's sick. If I believe that God manifests in the flesh lives inside of me, then I believe that his power can move through me and I can speak. I can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Those, these signs shall follow them that believe. Believe what? Believe that he is God manifest in the flesh and that he lives in me. When you believe that, these signs shall follow you. you. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We no longer, I mean, have you seen it? You pastor's wives have seen it. You've you know, seen the one at the altar and she's like real close to the Holy Ghost and the, all the women around are freaking out. They're going, ah, 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 she... They're trying to get some of the big dogs in the church to come over here and pray because she needs the Holy Ghost. What if we all went home with the revelation of who God is in me and we would take our hand and, and palm that head and say, in the name of Jesus, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Oh, that we can receive that revelation. Believe, believe, believe he is in you. His power is in you. And then those of you that, you know, you come and every ladies retreat and you try to get prayed back through and then you struggle and you struggle all year and you struggle and then maybe you don't make it next year because you were really struggling at the wrong time. You didn't make it to church. You didn't get registered because you wasn't going to church right then. But what if you really recognize the power of the Holy Ghost, and you really started calling on the name of Jesus and saying, in the name of Jesus, I can do all things. I can live a victorious life. We have people that come into our services, ladies, and I'm telling you, this is something God's been dealing with me about. I learned in, in college, I've learned that there are, there are certain things that keep you from feeling And I don't know if you understand this or not, but we, the convicting power of God works through our emotions, through our feelings. And when you come to church and you're smoking and you've got nicotine flowing through your veins, you know what nicotine does? It keeps you from having those highs and lows. And those, that's why when people have gone a couple of hours without one, they're like, I, I can't deal with these emotions. I need to get me a cigarette. And I'm not trying to condemn anyway, anybody. I'm trying to give you some understanding of what is going on. You're, that person is addicted to that not wanting to feel. I don't want to feel it. And, you know, some people, they condemn that smoker, but they're taking that little pill that just knocks the edge off and just keeps them from really feeling. Or that they'll take that little sip of alcohol every, you know, few hours just to knock the edge off, just to keep them from really feeling anything ladies we have got to pray that god will pull down those strongholds so that when our people are coming into these these services that the man of god can preach this the word of god and that those feelings can they can feel the convicting power of god we got to pull down the strongholds through prayer 
And you can sit there in your bench and you can say, Jesus, you are God manifest in the flesh. And I know there are people sitting in this place right now that have nicotine running through their veins. They can't feel this power. There's people here with medicine in their blood. They can't feel this power because they're just, you know, they just, they're kind of numb right now. But God, I'm praying that you'll reach in there and pull that stronghold down so they can feel your power. Pull that down. Knock it out of the way. You can go, you can penetrate it. You can penetrate nicotine. You can penetrate, penetrate Xanax. You can penetrate, penetrate these valiums and these, these nerve medicines that are keeping people from feeling God. We have a work to do. We have a job to do. And there are some of you tonight that you are here and you're so hungry. You're so ready to be over it. You're so ready to be over all this junk that's going on in your life. You're so ready to feel God again. You're so ready to really have a relationship with God. But let me tell you something. You think it's hard. You think it's a challenge. You think it's a struggle. But it is not. There is nothing hard for God. There's nothing too hard for God. And he wants to blow your mind. He wants to go in there and fix what is wrong. He wants to tear down the strongholds. He, wa- he wants to be the, the source of your strength, the strength of your life. He wants to help you. I'm telling you what, if you're having issues where you need a, a medication so that you can not have anxiety attacks and, and panic attacks, let me tell you about a God that is the peace that passes all understanding. You just have to plug into him. You've got to unplug from that person or that thing or that substance or whatever it is. Unplug from that and plug into him and say, Jesus, I am plugging into you. I need you. I want you to fulfill me. I want you to calm my Fears. I want you. We, we had a retreat a couple years ago, and a lady there, she had um, ADHD. Very bad, very, very bad. I'd known her for years. And she was always, she, she told me to Sister Chavis, it's like I have 45 radio stations playing in my head all day long. So much going on in my mind. And, and she's just like a little, she would try to tell you something. She'd say, <sighs> and she would just try to get her thoughts together to tell you what she wanted, especially if she was a little bit upset, you know. And we'd tease her like, come on, spit it out, spit it out. Well, one night the power of God fell in that retreat, and I went over and laid hands on her. Some of the other ladies, we laid hands on her, and I, we started speaking peace. We started speaking peace to her mind, healing to her mind, healing peace in Jesus' name. And she fell over in a chair, and she, she sat there, and she didn't, she didn't, you know, waller in the floor. She didn't scream or holler. She just sat there. And she opened her eyes about an hour later. And she said, I feel so weird. I said, welcome to normal. <laughs> she said, I really feel like I'm on some kind of a, you know, psych med right now. I'm like totally chilled out. I said, this is how normal feels. And God healed her. God healed her that night. Not too long ago, she told me, she said, you know, that that feeling started coming back on me. And I realized I had not been plugging in every morning like you taught me. 
And she said, I had to start, I got it, I have to take some time and just plug back in because she said, I'm starting to feel those feelings of, of anxiety and, and frustration and, you know, just confusion again. I said, girl, all you got to do, there is a scripture in Isaiah that says, this is the rest wherein the weary shall rest. With stammering lips and an unknown tongue will I speak. Let me tell you, if you are having disruptions in your mind and your family and your heart and you're weary and you're wore out and you're you're strung out whatever it is if you will just start praying in tongues just start praying and then let just let the holy ghost and just speak in tongues and then speak in tongues some more and then speak in tongues some more and pray in tongues until you fall asleep You talk about waking up feeling rest and peace. Um, there's times I, you know, I've just had to go in my room and just pray in tongues. Just because I needed a 15 minutes. I needed, I needed 15 minutes. Because if I, you know, I didn't want to hurt nobody. I didn't want to say nothing wrong. There's been times I've been working at the church with a bunch of menopausal women. I was like, I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm going to go in here for a minute. And just pray and ask God to give me peace. Pray in tongues. Sometimes I don't even know what I need to pray for, so I just pray in tongues and let the Spirit make intercession. I'm telling you, there's some women here tonight that are going to leave delivered. You are going to leave this place changed because you are going to unplug from whatever, whoever you're plugged into. And you are going to plug into some power. Now, you may, be, you may have the Holy Ghost. But I had the Holy Ghost since I was five, six years old. But I still never really plugged into him completely and said, God, you are, you are my only need. I'm telling you, the relationship that I have with the Lord right now, I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, you can have this. I remember after um, we, I go to on a prayer retreat every year, I take our ladies and we go down to the ocean. And every year... Here I am standing on our, at 9 o'clock at night we go outside and we stand on the beach. We're all, like 40 of us, stand there, the waves, and we're just praying. And here I was again, it's like our, I don't know, 15th or 20th year. And I'm standing there, I'm like, God, here I am again. Same junk. I'm trying to, you know, cast into the sea of forgetfulness the same junk I've been dealing with all these years. I'm so sorry. I'm such a loser. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just so inconsistent. I have, and I was just telling him all my weaknesses and all my sins and inadequacies and just, you know, asking him to be patient, thanking him for being patient with me and telling him, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm such a a needy woman that, you know, I just can't seem to get it together. People think I got it together, but me and you know I ain't got it together. And it's like he walked up behind me, just like he was here, and it's in my ear. He said, what are you talking about? You're perfect. Now, I've been told a lot of things in my life, but I have never been told I was perfect. You know, a lot of people say, you have such a pretty face, <laughs> which is like saying, it's too bad you're fat. But that was, you know, that's how I took it anyway. <laughs> But he said that I was perfect. And I thought, how could he think I'm perfect? He knows me. 
And then I remembered that, you know, I'd repented several times that weekend already. Because we think, you know, that's what he wants to hear, is us tell him how sorry we are and how horrible we are. But he didn't, I was standing there clean and pure and perfect in his eyes. I was his creation. He made me. He designed me, and I'm telling him how horrible I am, and he's like, girl, you are perfect. You are all that and a bag of chips. You are everything I want you to be. You are mine. And I, I could feel him just reach around and put his arm. Literally, I felt him put his arms around me, and I started smiling. There were no more tears. There was, I was smiling. And I thought, wow, I've never had anybody tell me I was perfect before. This is pretty cool. God of the universe is telling me I'm perfect. I think I'm okay. <laughs> I think I'm going to make it. And then he said, dance with me. Now, I've never danced. Um, I have I have a lot of rhythm in my mind and all that, but I just can't like get it to work. Yeah. I could make a lot of money doing Zumba, just videoing myself doing Zumba and selling the video for a comedy. But that night he said, May I have this dance? <laughs> and I was like, It's dark. Nobody can see me. It's just me and, you know, there's some ladies on down. The, we, we all kind of spread out down the beach, and I started dancing and twirling. He twirled me around, and I danced. I was so graceful. And I danced with him, and he, t he, t he loved me and loved on me and talked about, told me how beautiful I was and how perfect I was. And I came in that night, and all the ladies were sitting around eating cake and drinking coffee and telling jokes, and I just, like, Slipped on through, went and got my jammies on, curled up in bed, and just like, <sighs> and it felt like that night, that first time that I got to go out with Jeff, and that first night that he kissed me. That's how I felt like savoring that moment with him, and I really felt loved and content, and fulfilled, and I feel tonight, I feel that same spirit in this place. I feel like God wants to wrap his arms around somebody. You know that take me to this, that place, Lord, can you play that? I feel like God is, he's like, brought you here. Because he's, he's so in love with you. He's, he's madly in love with you. And I know it's hard for some of you to receive that love because you really don't love yourself. You, you know, some people say, well, you're not supposed to love yourself. Yes. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that was not a, a condemning scripture there. He loves you. So he wants you to love you. You're his creation. But tonight he wants to take you somewhere. 
We don't have to get on a train. We don't have to get on a plane. We don't have to get in a car or a ship. He wants to take us to a place. It's just you and him. He wants you to recognize who he is and that he is in you. That you have the power to overcome this junk. You have the power to overcome these inadequacies that you feel. All these things that are hindering you. All these things that are dragging you down. It's, it's time to get over it. It's time to just let him take you in his arms. And love you the way he wants to love you. The way you deserve to be loved. into and the things that you're plugged into. Can we just reach out to him and reassure him that he really is the love of our life. He wraps me in his army. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a God who loves me. I'm in his arms. <laughs> oh, that's where I'm changed. If you need the Holy Ghost tonight, if you really want that relationship with him that I've been talking about, why don't you just come tonight and stand here and let us pray for you and lay hands on you and you could receive it tonight. wants to take you somewhere tonight, somewhere wonderful. He wants to fill you tonight, to satisfy your longings.
of you ladies are, you're in shock right now because you realize that you have been plugged into somebody else and something else and you don't really know what to say, so just, just pray into it.